swimming is a like it's obviously takes up a large part of my life at the moment but it doesn't make up a large part of who I am I'm so much more outside of swimming and um I'm equal with everyone else I would never see all of that stuff putting me above anyone um so I don't think that's ever going to go to my head (laughs) welcome to the good life Andrew Lee in conversation a podcast about living a happy healthy and ethical life in this podcast we seek out wise men and women who have lessons to teach us about living life to the full, with humour, pleasure, meaning and love. We'll chat with musicians and athletes, CEOs and carers, about making the most of this one precious life. If you like this podcast, do take a moment to tell your friends or give us a rating. Now, sit back and enjoy the conversation. At age 27, Emma McKean is Australia's most decorated Olympian and was the most decorated athlete across all sports at the Tokyo Olympics, where she won seven medals, four gold and three bronze. She also set the Olympic record for the 50 metre and 100 metre freestyle. Emma has a good claim to being what sports fans call the GOAT, greatest of all time. And it's a delight to have her on the Good Life podcast today. Emma, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me on. So you were born in Wollongong to, to what could be called swimming royalty. Uh, Your dad was an Olympian, your uncle was an Olympian, your mum went to the Commonwealth Games uh, and they ran a swimming school. So I figure there's probably no better person to ask. What does it take to coach a child well in swimming? Um, Well, I guess when I was a child, I wasn't really coached. I was just more um, enjoying my time in the water, um, doing like swimming lessons and just mucking around really, playing in the backyard pool, down the beach, um, like in the lake, all those kinds of things. I wasn't really coached as a child, but it probably wasn't until I was about uh, 14 that I was probably more coached. I joined my dad's squad and he coached me for a while up until I was about 19 and then I moved up to Queensland. So um, I think my parents were really good, I think, because like, they obviously both had all the experience in swimming as um, swimmers themselves. So they kind of knew what would be good for me growing up, I think. And really they just, obviously with the swim school, they wanted me to learn how to swim, but they were never, um, you know, if I wanted to compete, great. If I didn't, then that's great too. Like they just wanted me to be happy. Yeah, they seem to have done an amazing job in not kind of projecting onto you all of the uh, successes that, uh, that that they they might have might have hoped for. Um, you even quit swimming as a teenager at one point, didn't you? Yeah, I quit quite a few times throughout my teenage years, just because I probably like I just was putting a lot of pressure on myself because I from quite a young age I wanted to go to the Olympics. I wanted to do something incredible. I like you know I watched all the amazing swimmers on TV doing incredible things, like from a really young age, um, growing up watching that. So like I knew, like that was a big dream of mine when I was young. Mm. Um, And then I think like I was good at swimming from a young age, just probably natural talent. Um, And so I, that kind of gave me even more drive, I guess, for those dreams. But I just started throughout my teenage years to put just too much pressure on myself and it stopped me from enjoying it and um I don't know I probably had a fear of like what if I don't get there and I want it so much so um I ended up and I felt like I was missing out on a lot of 
the social things that all my friends at school were doing and things like that. I felt like I was always having to say no to things. So I ended up not enjoying swimming as much. And so I quit um, a few times and my parents every time were just like, they, like it didn't phase them. They, they sometimes even told me to stop. They just said like, maybe swimming's just not for you. So just stop and find something else that you enjoy doing. So like they were literally the best thing that, I was so lucky to have them really and still am so lucky to have them as my parents and kind of guide me in that way. So uh, tell us a bit about what it is to, uh, to train as a swimmer. When you're in um, proper, proper training, what, is, uh, what does it look like? How many sessions a week? How long do they go for? I do nine um, two-hour swim sessions and so I'm usually at the pool I'm usually at the pool for around three hours each time just with um, like pre-swim stuff and post-swim stuff, which is like more shoulder health things and things like that. Um, and then I do three one and a half hour gym sessions a week and um, spin set two to three spin sessions a week and then Pilates as well. And then we do like I just um, do one or two physio and a massage every week as well just to keep on top of injuries and things like that. So most days you're doing two sessions. Um, how, uh, how many of those sessions are uh, hard sessions? How much are uh, sort of recovery sessions? Um, all of them are hard except for we've got two. We've got a Wednesday morning and a Friday morning recovery swim. Um, and then we do gym after that, which is hard. But the, reco- the swim is recovery. So just two a week. Um, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty hard program. Um, Bolly, he's my coach. He works this very hard, um, but he's got so much experience and he just knows how to get the best out of people. And obviously I do a, such a big, um, program when I'm racing. So I need to be working that hard and I need to be doing that many hard sessions a week. And in two hours, how far do you swim? Um, it's usually around 5k, five and a half, but I'd say the average would be about 5k. Do you have uh, a, a favourite session that you feel makes a ma- makes a big uh, big impact? Is there some sort of set a set of a set of reps that you uh, you you uh, find exhausting that uh, but but really you know you feel good afterwards? Um, I mean, there's no hard session that you feel good after. <laughs> <laughs> satisfied, um, I mean. Yeah, you feel you. Def- I definitely feel satisfied, and I love feeling the endorphins after a really hard session where you just feel absolutely buggered but like you've got those endorphins from exercising so hard which like now I'm on break and I'm not getting those endorphins I actually miss it and I did, went and did yes. a um, group class group exercise class a boxing class with my sister last week and felt them after and I was like oh my god I miss these <laughs> <laughs> I miss this feeling <laughs> And you, uh, ahead of Tokyo, you decide, made a decision with Michael Bowl that you wouldn't uh, compete in the two, 200 free. How did that affect your, uh, your training session? Um, yeah, well, I guess I, my training didn't really change, to be honest. I probably did okay. a bit more sprinting, but um, I still kept up the 200 work because like, that's how I've always trained. And my 100 was really, really improving. So I, we knew that... Um, we didn't want to change the training too much. Like it was obviously my 200 work that was helping me come home so fast in that second 50 of my hundred. Um, and then obviously I was still doing the four by two at the Olympics as well. Um, so we didn't really change it too much. Um, but yeah, it was a hard decision to make to pull out of the 200 just cause 
I've kind of done it my whole career um, and trained for it my whole career and it's been one of my main events but we just knew that we couldn't do everything we had to kind of pick which ones to target when we're at the Olympics because yeah it would just be too exhausting and um, I wanted to get the best out of myself in the events that I did do rather than being tired from any of the other ones. And uh, you also stepped up doing more more weights in recent years, haven't you? How, how have you worked that into the program? Yeah, my gym program has increased a lot um, and I've really targeted that just because I know, especially in the 50 and 100 free, um, that was something that I was probably lacking a bit. Um, and I think naturally I'm not, I'm not naturally strong. Um, like, I mean, like my build, I'm quite lean I guess so um especially in the sprint events that was something I really had to work on and I tend to lose strength quite quickly so I always need to be in the gym and working quite hard and that's why I'm in there for like an hour and a half every session just um really working hard and I began to really enjoy it just because I knew that was an area that I could really make gains in and really improve on um and I just kind of loved getting up there and being in there for longer than everyone everyone else I loved um knowing I was, you know, getting that extra work in. And and with such an intense training program, um, you've still got Sundays where, where you're not uh, not training, aren't, aren't you? How do you find that, that day when suddenly you've been doing, you know, four hours and a lot of days and then you've got a day that's, that's, that's completely off? How do you feel when you wake up on a Sunday morning? I'm pretty exhausted. I, like, even though I wake up, so Monday to Saturday is wake up at 520 um, and Sundays, like a lot of swimmers will say they can't sleep in, but me Sundays, I can sleep till like 10. <laughs> so, um, really enjoy that sleep in. Um, but like, so we've got from Saturday morning at about nine thirty, we'll finish training and then I've got the rest of the weekend off. So most of the time, and especially like when I think back to over the last two years on the weekends, I've just been so exhausted, um, and haven't really wanted to do a lot. Um, so my weekends have kind of just been more relaxed. I might go out for an early dinner, head down the beach or something like that. But um, yeah, I kind of just try and relax and just recover. Um, and then once I get back into training on the Monday morning, I usually actually feel pretty shitty in the water just from having a day off because we're used to swimming every day. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting because uh, I mean, other sports. Uh, my favourite is, run- is is running. You look at the number of hours that people are putting in, and it's it's not four hours a day, uh, even you know, except for the ultra marathoners, just because the body can't stand that much time running. Uh, whereas I guess one of the disadvantages of swimming is is your body really can take a lot of time in the water, so everyone ends up moving towards these massive training schedules. Uh, must be must be tough for young people getting into into swimming just the the huge demands of the sport at that elite level yeah I think so and I think that's why it's important as a young kid to not get into it too early um or well not not get into it too early but just like not be training at that super elite level too early because I think Mm. you've got to look after the person first and I think that's something that I was really lucky with with how my parents were and obviously had my dad as my coach till I was 19 so I was really lucky like that like they really protected that side of things for me um and I wasn't doing a heap when I was young so that once I got older I wasn't already doing everything that I could because then it's like you know you've got all this growing to do and you know growing up mentally as well um you've got to 
have something to improve on. So once I was like 2021, I still had so much more that I can improve on and I feel like I still do. So I think it's, yeah, you can't do too much as you're young, just even mentally, like, I don't know, there's just a lot of lessons to learn. And I think that's a good thing about swimming is there's so much to learn from it that you can carry through in life. And if you can make it a long way, like there's just so much to take from it. Are you still looking to make tweaks on your uh, your stroke? I mean, you uh, given given your background, presumably you have a pretty well refined stroke. Uh, are you in that stage of the career where you're still tweaking, or it's really just uh, pure strength endurance? Um, yeah, my stroke is definitely my one of my advantages because I'm more of a technical swimmer and I work on that a lot. Um, but yeah, I think there's always things to improve on there. Um, for me, like, that's probably what motivates me is knowing I've got things to tweak and improve and that's what, like, that's how I know I'm just going to, I can still improve. That's what motivates me to keep swimming. Are there other swimmers that you uh, you look to learn from? Um, yeah, I think now, like, over the last couple of years, I've probably learnt, I've tried to, like, just look at people's mindsets more than anything. Mm. Like, I know that... For me, I want to swim how I want to swim and what works for me physically. Um, and so, like, I work closely with my coach on that and um, we both have the same idea on how that works and what works for me like that. But um, mindset-wise, I think, you know, I've been able to go overseas and train and race with a lot of people from overseas and kind of learn how their mindsets work and the confidence that they bring into races and things like that. And that's something that I've really utilized over the last couple of years and I think I've gotten to a place now where I can stand behind the blocks and be really confident and really excited to race and um, confident in the work I've put in and all that kind of stuff so I think that's probably where I look have been looking to other athletes um, to improve in that area and I think I've done a good job there. Did you find a big difference in terms of your your confidence walking out to the blocks in Tokyo compared to Rio? Yeah, it was more, um, I'd say, like, I knew in Rio, I know I worked so, so hard before that, um, but I probably stood behind the blocks not being able to reflect on that and looking at how well prepared I was, whereas when I went to Tokyo, I was standing behind the blocks confident and not, it's like confidence in that knowing that I could win, not that I would win, because I think when you know you'll win, like you don't have control over what other people do. But knowing that I could win, I knew that I had what it, what it was going to take and I knew that I'd worked so hard and I knew that I was so well prepared. So that kind of gave me confidence, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you a little bit more about um, uh, Michael Boll and uh, the sort of relationship that you have with him. I mean, it's kind of interesting because... He he knows your your family re- really well. He swam with both your uh, uh, your mum and your and your dad, um, and uh, I think your dad was was his best his best man. Um, how's how's how important is that relationship with the coach, and and what is it? Uh, what can the rest of us learn as we're uh, we're choosing coaches and building relationships with them? Um, yeah, I think it's really important that you get along well with your coach, and that you've got a close relationship in that you trust each other and um, you have good communication and things like that. Um, and I've been working with Bolly for uh, since 2015 now. Um, and ever since I moved, like I, yeah, I wanted to swim under him for quite a long time. Um, I'd met him 
my dad introduced me to him when he was coaching Steph Rice in 2008. Um, and I remember him saying to me back then, so I was, I think, maybe 13 years old then, 12 or 13. And I remember him saying to me um, about working hard. Um, and that's the, that's the, probably the main thing that he's kind of instilled in me since I moved to him is the hard work and building that work ethic, um, which I've always been a hard worker, but it's when I was younger, it was more like when I felt like it. Um, but now like he's really instilled in me that hard work, even when you don't feel like it and just being consistent and, um, like, yeah. Are there uh, favorite, uh, Michael Bowl phrases of yours? There things um, that he uh, that he says a lot in training. There's many things, <laughs> many things that he kind of repeats um, over and over. Sometimes, like in training, like if he's giving a um, chat to everyone, like I, I just I can, I know what he's going to say already. <laughs> um, but he's very like he's very I would say more of a relaxed person. Um, and so when he thinks you're getting too stressed out or something, he'll just be like, just relax, like in that same um, tone all the time. Um, but yeah, he's very good. Like he kind of helps you to not overthink things, I think, because like there's been times throughout my preparations when things haven't gone to plan or, I've, you know, gotten a little bit injured or things like that. And I'll start to get stressed out because I just want to be in the pool working hard. Um, and so he's... Yeah, he's definitely helped me through those times when I've been stressing that I'm not doing enough or that things aren't going my way and things like that. So he's good. Um, how have you gone about managing injuries? I know it's a, a, something that all sports people wrestle with. Um, do you have advice for people who are injured and uh, and frustra- finding that experience frustrating? Um, yeah, well, I've been through like a lot of different niggles throughout all my preparations really like mainly shoulder my neck and my lower back um and so I I do find that really frustrating especially when you've got big goals that you want to achieve and I think um I definitely like to reflect on all the hard work I've done when it comes to a meet um and knowing I've done everything and so that's probably why it gets to me a lot more um but I think like I mean I really try and stay on top of everything like I even my eating, I try and stay on top of that because I know that's even linked to injuries. And like when, you, when you're extra tired because you haven't been eating enough, um, you're more likely to get injured. And um, especially in swimming, like you're rotating your shoulders like a million times a week. Um, like you just have to stay on top of everything. I get physio twice a week. I get massage every week. Um, I do all my rehab kind of exercises on my shoulders and my back and um yeah just trying to do everything I can not to get injured but I know it's so frustrating and I think if you know you're doing everything you can um sometimes that can make it more frustrating because you do know you're doing everything you can but um yeah I don't know I guess it's just taking it one day at a time and Bolly actually always said to me like say my shoulder was really bad and I couldn't swim um he would just always say when one door closes, another opens. So say the door was closed on me doing actual freestyle for that session, but I then got to do really a really hard kick session. So I was working my legs really hard and um, getting my legs really fit. So there's always something you can do when you've got goals. There's always something you can do to work towards that goal, even if it's not exactly how you had it planned. And how have the uh, the 
the failures in uh, in in your career uh, shaped you. I mean, you you narrowly missed Olympic selection in 2012. You uh, weren't happy with your 100 fly result in Rio. Um, how did you use those experiences to make yourself a, a better swimmer and, and a stronger person? I've been quite critical of myself at different times, but I think it's all been learning experiences, like when I look back on them now, um, because I've become a stronger athlete mentally and learned how to deal with failure um, and learned how to, I guess, look at look at it not with such critical eyes but more just like okay yeah that sucked and I didn't do that well but how can I improve what did I what did I do well so there's always some positive to take from it and carry through to the next race and I guess just knowing that there's always going to be another race um and yeah just trying to take the learnings into my next one and or take the learnings back into the next season and work on that in training every day how have you found the balance between racing and training? Because uh, you you raced a lot this year. You uh, you know backed up straight from the uh, the Olympics to go into the the World Championships. Uh, did you did you enjoy having that uh, that big chunk of uh, of racing this year? Yeah, I do love racing, um, and I love preparing to race and getting in and um, pushing myself. And I love those nerves. Um, I love all that. Um, you love the nerves, Emma. Tell, yeah, tell, me, nerves. tell me more about that. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just like, it just makes you feel, well, makes me feel just really excited. And um, I don't know, feel, makes it me feel like I'm about to do something that means a lot to me and that I've worked hard for and that's important to me. So, um, yeah, I love that feeling. I love the adrenaline. Um, and, yeah, I think I didn't always love it I when I was younger. I hated the feeling of nerves and the butterflies in your stomach and kind of dreading the race and not necessarily always wanting, like if I'd be so nervous that I didn't want to do it, but I've learnt to really love them. And um, like now that I'm not swimming, I actually miss, miss those feelings really. So how long will it take you to, to get, get, get back to condition now after with two, two months out of the pool? Um, It'll a take a while. Weeks, couple of months? No, it'll take a, more than a couple of months. It'll probably take, I'd say it'll probably take me maybe three months, I think, to get back yeah. to that good condition that I was in at the Olympics. Uh, but you have these big breaks just because the, the training is, is so darn intense? It is really intense, um, both physically and mentally. And I think that's, mm. the, it's more the mental side is why I'm taking this long of a break. Um, because physically I can just, I can keep going. Like I love working hard, um, but mentally it just takes a toll after a while, especially since the Olympics got cancelled. And so we had like, you know, it was the year before Olympics, two years in a row. Um, so that, that really takes a toll on you. Um, and so, yeah, I think I just really needed this mental break, this step away from swimming and kind of, be back with my family, back with all the friends that I grew up with and friends away from swimming and doing all the things that I don't always necessarily get to do or that I miss out on doing when I am training because I can't just kind of do what I want when I want when I'm training. It's always making decisions around my goals or making decisions around when training is or when the next comp is and stuff like that. So it's been really nice to kind of step away from that and have just a real holiday. So 
I'm curious because I, I introduced you as uh, as the goat, um, and you know many people have uh, have talked about what an amazing achievement it uh, it was in Tokyo. Uh, you know the most medals won by a female athlete in any sport in a single Olympic Games, uh, going back to uh, uh, tying with uh, Maria Gorofnowska in 1952. Uh, it, it's extraordinary, but how do you avoid? Um, letting that go to your head and, and being becoming a bit full of yourself? <laughs> um, well, I feel like I don't really need to avoid it um, because naturally I'm just never going to do that. I don't feel comfortable with that at all. Like that's, I'd say, one of my um, main like characteristics that I, that I probably hold closest to my heart would be being humble and I don't like being centre of attention and um, I know that swimming is, a, like it's obviously takes up a large part of my life at the moment but it doesn't make up a large part of who I am. I'm so much more outside of swimming and um, I'm equal with everyone else. I would never see all of that stuff putting me above anyone um, so I don't think that's ever going to go to my head. <laughs> My uh, swim coach, Ben Gathercole, wanted me to ask you um, uh, what characteristics you think you've taken from swimming uh, that have uh, enabled you to, to do, do well in the rest of your life. What are, the, what are the qualities you think that training for an Olympics gives you? Um, I think, well, the qualities that training for Olympics gives you for the rest of your life would be the work ethic and the dedication and the being goal orientated and um, dealing with failure, all those kinds of things. But I think for me personally, something that's taken me so far in swimming is probably, and it's just been something that I've developed as I've kind of gotten older and more experienced in swimming because I've done it for quite a while now, is just being able to kind of reflect on different periods of my swimming and when I was younger and um, as I've grown up grown up and gotten older and just like being able to actually realize the lessons I've learned and take notice of everything that's going on around me um, take notice of what I can improve on just like really paying attention to everything I think is what's t taken me so far mm, mm. all right a couple of uh, quick fire questions uh, maybe even one word answers what's the best place you've ever visited uh, Prague what do you like about Prague? Uh, I went there during this last trip, this last European trip overseas, because we had a about a ten day break in the middle of um, the World Cup that was on the World Cup series, and so I went with one of my good friends, Jenna. She was over there racing as well, and um, we went to Prague and Malta. Um, and I'd say Prague would just be my favorite city in the world. It's just, it's just really pretty, and um, I don't know, just I just loved being there. There wasn't even anything particular about it. It was just. Just a really cool city, definitely somewhere I'd want to go back to. It's so walkable. I really, uh, really love that about it. Yeah. Um, apart from swimming, what's your favourite sport? Uh, tennis. Playing or watching? Uh, what? Oh, well, I haven't really played that much. I want to get into more playing. I played on the weekend, actually played doubles with some of my friends, which was really fun, but um, mainly watching. Do you think you'll uh, ever swim the English Channel? No. <laughs> really? It's not, it's not that far. It's only 33Ks. You'd, uh, you'd cover that in a couple of, a few days training, right? It's not really something that kind of gets me excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, 
freestyle or butterfly? Do you have a favourite? Butterfly is my favourite, actually. What do you enjoy about it? I've never been able to do a butterfly, so it's it's always remained a mystery to me. I love I love training fly. I just love like the rhythm of it, um, technique of it. So yeah, that's probably why. It's a it's a beautiful stroke when it's uh, when it when it's done well. How how does your training break down between the uh, the two strokes? Are you doing about half half? Um, I probably do, I definitely do more free than I do fly. Um, but it's kind of like depending on what the set is, um, I will kind of, Bolly and I will kind of just choose which stroke to do or what whatever else I've done throughout the week. Um, if I need to do more fly or I need to do more free, then we'll kind of just decide like that. But I actually really love doing long fly sets, um, like doing hundreds and a lot of fifties of fly and stuff like that. I don't know why, um, but I think just because I do love the rhythm, rhythm and the feel of it. Um, and I know that like, it's really hard to do easy fly, so it's just kind of always a challenge, which I like. Right, yeah, the intensity of the uh, the, the stroke really uh, really strikes you. Uh, do you use much uh, swimming equipment when you're uh, when you when you're training? Uh, yeah, we use everything. We use fins, paddles, pull buoy, um, a band around our ankles, a sponge sometimes to like add resistance. We use um, bungee cords to like for resistance and for like overspeed. So someone's pulling you in on a bungee cord, so you're swimming faster. Um, yeah, we kind of just use a bit of everything for different things. And do you have a favorite between uh, short course and long course? Uh, long course would be my favorite. Why is that? Um, I think just because it's the Olympic length and it's like, especially for us in Australia, it's like the more prestigious, like it's the, the, I, yeah, I guess just because that's what you race at the Olympics, so it's just the more um, prestigious way to race, I guess. Uh, some final questions, Emma. What advice would you give to your teenage self? Um, my teenage self, I'd say to not put so much pressure on myself um, and really just focus on the things that make me enjoy what I'm doing um, and probably just to realise there's so much more ahead of you and what's happening right now. I can learn from it and take it with me um, and it doesn't necessarily matter where I'm at right now. It's just like um, there's so much more to come as I get older. What's something you used to believe but no longer do? Um, I don't believe in, I don't believe in luck actually. I don't believe um, that, you know, like I'm not superstitious like that. I just think that what you like you have because I want to have control over what I do you don't have control over what other people do in a competition or anything like that but I just yeah I don't believe in something else causing something else I think it all comes from hard work and belief when are you most happy most happy would be when I'm at home in Wollongong with my family and what's the most important thing you do in your life to stay mentally and physically healthy? Um, probably my friends and family, um, keeping in contact with them, um, catching up with them when I can and just like they know me for me um, and most of the time don't even have to really communicate what's necessarily going on they just kind of know um or they know to ask the right questions or they know not to ask questions like um I think just 
keeping them close and keeping them around. That's what keeps me mentally filled, I'd say. Taking time for myself as well. Because um, I think sometimes I can get a bit too overwhelmed and I've definitely in the past gotten too consumed by things and, um, you know, too consumed by my schedule or anything like that and or what's coming up and things. And I think it's important to take time for yourself to do the things you enjoy doing. And even if it's just something as small as reading a book and, you know, taking half a day to yourself to go down the beach or anything like that I think that's important do you have any guilty pleasures um guilty pleasures well probably like I love Betty's burgers <laughs> just like a a bit of a dirty burger <laughs> so like and hot chips or like a thick shake or something like that <laughs> I imagine with the number of calories you're burning you don't need to uh, worry about that too much yeah, I just like on a Saturday night if I if I'm really exhausted, sometimes I just like to order Uber Eats and um watch Netflix or something like that. And finally, Emma, which person or experience has most shaped your view of living an ethical life? I would say my parents definitely. Um I think like they're just they're definitely both very caring people and they both I guess, look outside their own life and like, you know, want to help other people and care about other people and take interest in other people and things like that. And so I think that's definitely um, such a nice way to grow up and learn from them. Um, and I think it's just something, I guess, it's it would have to be from them, but I like it's just something that I probably just always had. Like I, I feel good looking out for other people and... Um, I think especially now that I guess like with the success that I've had I've got a bit of influence and I'd like to use that for good like I I think being such a reflective person like I can look back on when I was really young and looked up to um, athletes who had done big things in sport and um, I would love to be a role model for young girls or just people in general um, growing up trying to achieve their dreams whether it's in sport or anything Um, and yeah I'd like to be a role model and be someone that people can kind of look up to or just like give a little bit of guidance to or something like that would be nice. Yeah and it's really striking how so many of the Australian swimmers who've retired have then stepped into that role of uh, not just formally coaching, but also mentoring the next generation. It's, it's one, of the, one of the real qualities I notice about the Australian swimming community, and, and I'm sure you're already a part of that and will be even more in the future. Yeah, I would love to do something like that, and I think it's great that so many of the past swimmers have done things like that. Um, but for me, like, I definitely wouldn't want to get into coaching, um, and I don't even necessarily want to do something in swimming after just like for anyone who like because I think it's not just about swimming the lessons that I've learned I think they're things that you can take through in life so I feel like I yeah I feel like I could offer a lot. Absolutely Uh, Emma McKen thanks so much for taking the time to share your wisdom on the Good Life podcast today. That's okay thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Good Life Andrew Lee in Conversation. If you enjoyed this discussion, you might like past conversations with Harry Garside, Sue Reid and Alex Hutchinson. We love getting feedback on the Good Life podcast, so tell a friend, leave a comment and help others find the show. Next week, we'll be back with another inspiring guest to discuss living a happier, healthier 
and more ethical life.